This week on Moms Moving On. Of course, it's difficult and and it makes the situation even more problematic. But once again, somebody uh, needs to take the high road and recognize again uh, for the child's sake that, that we, we both can't play this terrible game, if you will, which uh, again makes children feel traumatized, frankly. Using the kid as a messenger is one of those number one rules that you know, that parents can't do. Because frankly, most of the time, the message the kid is sending is not a good one. You know? right. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new Moms Moving On. I missed you last week. I was out of town, um, but I'm glad to be back. And today we're talking about one of my favorite topics with someone who I am so glad came across my radar. We're talking about basically the best thing you can do for your children in a divorce, which is love your child more than you hate your ex. And who better to have on the episode with us than the author of the book, Love Your Child More Than You Hate Your Ex, Dr. Waldman, who is a recently semi-retired certified school psychologist and licensed clinical forensic psychologist in Phoenix, Arizona. He's conducted a highly successful private practice of 45 years working with children, teens, parents, couples, and adults in a solution-focused manner. He's got plenty of experience when it comes to children of divorce, I imagine. Dr. Waldman, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. Very happy to be here. I think the title of your book obviously is what stopped me in my tracks because I think I've, I've written about it and posted about this concept having been a child of divorce myself and witnessing all the ugliness of how important it really is to take a child-centered approach to your divorce. So can you give us like the, the Dr. Larry Waldman elevator pitch? <laughs> well, well, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Um, unfortunately, um, 50% of marriages today uh, don't make it. And of course, the majority of those uh, uh, couples uh, have children, and so therefore there are literally thousands of children every year uh, who are caught up in their in their parents' divorce. The data suggests that in about twenty mm, percent of those cases, the the kids unfortunately uh, get uh, ground up, if you will. Uh, they get used and abused, so to speak, and, and they're caught up in their parents' anger and frustration uh, and so on. Uh, there's no question that divorce is one of the most difficult things that you're probably going to go through in your adult life. And it takes a lot of uh, uh, grit and determination and insight and so forth to recognize that while you're going through this uh, difficult, even traumatic process. If you are a parent, you have to put the kids first. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask for it. Uh, They don't understand it. They don't know why this occurred. Uh, They may even be feeling it's in part their fault and and so on. And so the the kids need to be uh, considered uh, at, uh, at all costs. 
It's so true because I was definitely one of the children you mentioned who got sort of ground up in the ugliness of my parents' divorce. My parents' divorce took over nine years, I think, to finalize. It was just ugly from start to finish. And obviously, my brother and I were a huge point of contention in the battling. And I knew when I got divorced right away, that was something that I didn't want to have happen for my child. But I know in a lot of cases, there is one parent who is committed to that child first anger put aside mentality, but the other one is not. So what do you happen in what what happens in that situation and how can you handle that? Well, yes, that that is uh, that is common. Of course, it's difficult and and it makes the situation even more problematic. But once again, somebody uh, needs to take the high road and and recognize again uh, for the child's sake that that we we both can't play this terrible game, if you will, which uh, again makes children feel traumatized. Frankly, absolutely. And and I always say the high road is the best road to take when it comes to co-parenting. Um, but I would say, you know, every woman that I work with and I'm, and I'm working with them on this high road mentality and putting aside their anger and letting go of all the pain and resentment that comes with divorce, they're still met with the, the man who literally cannot get out of his own way and say, okay, this isn't about my ego. This is about what's best for the children. Do you see that a lot too? Well, I did. Uh, I'm now. I'm. Uh, I'm out of it. But uh, for 20 years, uh, last actually 20 years of my 40 uh, some year practice, I I was a uh, forensic psychologist. So I spent lots of time in court, and and much of that time was in the family law court. And so, you know, I did custody evaluations. I was a parenting coordinator. I was a therapeutic interventionist, and so on. And and yes, I I saw those those couples, uh, and and many times, particularly as a parenting coordinator, where I was assigned by the judge to help this couple, you know, mediate uh, after uh, the divorce and so on. And I would say to either parent, you know, are, are you taking this position because you think that's in the best interests of the child or because you're angry at your ex? That is such a good question to ask. And I think that in itself can stop somebody in their tracks. Well, it did. And of course, given that I was appointed by the court, I had judicial uh, powers, if you will. And, and if I felt that a parent was uh, not operating in, in the child's best interest, then I could make recommendations that could uh, uh, have some bearing on their visitation and so on. So why um, my, my community knows I'm, I'm constantly talking about the, the power of a parent coordinator and how essential I think everybody should start out on their co-parenting journey with one because it's it's almost impossible to start co-parenting when you're dealing with the effects of the divorce and feelings are hurt. I think that job is so critical and so needed on so many levels. Well sure. Let's face it, parenting in general, you know, even in a good marriage uh, can be very trying and so on. But to do it uh, now in a contested divorce, uh, it becomes very, very difficult. Uh, 
And on top of that, during the during this COVID uh, situation, my hat goes off to any of them that can make it work uh, during uh, during this very difficult time. Yeah, it was it was definitely a challenge. I will say, you know, not having had the best of relationships with my co-parent before COVID, it kind of helped bring us together a little bit in a weird way. I would say my ex likes to have a little bit of control over what I do with my daughter. And so I think him knowing that like I wasn't doing anything with her was helpful and vice versa. We're both a little bit stuck on how each one of us parents. And so COVID definitely helped us more than it hurt us. But you know, the the other shoe always drops, as you know. But here's my question for you, because anybody divorcing or in the process or thinking of getting a divorce is obviously worried about how the split is going to affect the kids. And I'm of the belief that it's not necessarily the split that ruins our kids. It's how we behave thereafter. So what have you seen in your 40 some odd years of practicing? What are the real effects on the children of parents who just can't seem to put their kids first? Well, the the effects are uh, are unfortunately uh, long lasting. Um, re- remember, you know, from from the kids' point of view, and of course this varies by age, but uh, you know, basically from let's say toddlerhood to pre adolescence and so on, you know, the, the child looks at the world from a very naive perspective. Uh, they don't know what's good or bad or indifferent. As far as they're concerned. You know, the, the relationship that their parents had you know, prior to the breakup uh, was the best one in the world because it was the only one they've ever known. And that's important to think about. And, and that sometimes stops parents in their tracks because, you know, we teach our kids a lot. And interestingly, most of what we teach them is unintentional. Uh, so, you know, where do they learn about what it means to be, you know, a husband or a wife, uh, what it means to be a mom or a dad, uh, and so on? I mean, how many times do we sit down with our kids and actually instruct them in, in those things? We don't. Uh, so kids just kind of see it and learn it. And at, again, this tender age, like I said, let's say three, four to 10, 12, you know, during that very critical period, you know, kids are learning about their world and their place in it. Um, And so they think that this relationship that their parents have is the way everybody does it. Right. How would they know different? They don't know what's going on next door with the Smiths or the Joneses and so on. Uh, and so you know, when the word gets out uh, and, and that fateful day where they're brought into the living room, you know, and, you know, and mom is kind of weeping and dad is standing there with his bags packed, uh, you know, it's a little classic, but that's often, unfortunately, how it happens. And they you know, are told that, well, mommy and daddy aren't going to live together anymore and so on. I mean, their world literally falls apart. Right. Because that's all they know. Um, and many kids, particularly during this age, this age, of course, uh, will initially think, oh, my God, what did I do? Right. Uh, could I have been better? Is this my fault? Uh, and, and, and so forth. And, and so and those the are... The cycle of people pleasing begins. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, uh, and of course, parents have to address that first and foremost, that this was not their fault. 
of course. Uh, they didn't do anything wrong and so on. And, and make them also understand you know, that they are not going to be abandoned. You know, just because mommy and daddy are getting divorced doesn't mean, you know, they are getting divorced from their mom or dad as the case, uh, as the case may be. Uh, you know, of course, kids need to feel like, like they're connected and they're attached and they're not going to be abandoned. Uh, unfortunately, though, sometimes that, that happens. And then, of course, if we're not careful, you know, sometimes the, uh, the games uh, continue or the games begin. And, and I've seen that. And it's, it's just so tough with, with kids. Um, you know, where, where we, we do things, many, many, and, and truthfully, uh, most parents, you know, are doing some of these things, you know, with, without giving it much thought. I, I don't, I, I'm not accusing most parents of being malicious, if, if you will. Some cases, yes, but uh, in most cases, no. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we do things and, uh, and it, it puts, ki- it puts kids in, in, this, in this spot that we, we all professionals refer to as this loyalty squeeze okay? or loyalty bind, you know, where the kid finds him or herself in a position like, wait a minute, I can't win here. You know, what, what am I supposed to do? Uh, and so on. You know, we've all heard these uh, horror stories and so on. But I, I remember a, a case where one of the major issues is dad was bringing the child home you know, late from visitations, you know, particularly on a Sunday night, you know, and, and the kid wasn't getting enough sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And, and in fact, the judge even made uh, a, an edict that you know, dad had to get the kid home by 7.30 Sunday night and so on. Anyhow, uh, and, I'm, and I'm working as a parenting coordinator with this case. And, and so the child is about eight or nine, little boy, uh, and so on. Anyhow, they're out with dad on a Sunday night having a good time. And, and now dad realizes, uh-oh, uh, I'm going to be late again. So he, he calls mom, hands the phone to the child and says, Uh-oh. tell mom you're going to be late. Oh, no. And, and here's the kid like, uh... Okay, yeah. now what do I do? Who am I loyal to? Right. You know, I can't win here. You know? I, I, I know I'm supposed to be brought home on time. I know mom once you know, gets upset when I'm not. You know? So here's dad telling me to tell mom that I'm going to be late. What does he do? Right. Well, of course, he, you know, dad's sitting next to him. So I guess you know, he has to make that choice. So he says, Mom, hi, you know, it's Steve. Uh, uh, We're going to be a little late, you know. And, of course, Mom's upset. But, you know, in that case, she needed to be, you know, take the high road, if you will. Instead, she blasts Dad. Through the child. Through the child. (laughs) Tell your father. And the kid... And, and I saw the kid two days later, and the kid's literally melting in my office. I mean, just like, oh, I, I don't know what to do. I made mommy, mommy's mad, daddy's mad. Yeah, and, and so on. And, and this takes a toll. It, it really, really, really does. I've lived it, and I know. And it's, you know, when you think of how innocent our children are in these situations, and 
how little responsibility they need to hold for our feelings or our wants and needs in terms of our parenting. It's wild to me that people still behave in this way. Yeah, well, again, it, it, I don't believe they were doing it, you know, maliciously to hurt the child, but, you know, it, it just it just happens. I mean, using the kid as a messenger, you know, you know is, is one of those number one rules that, you know, that parents can't do uh, and so on. Because, frankly, most of the time, the message the kid is sending is not a good one, you know, right. and, and so the kid, kid is caught. Uh, you know, of course, that's probably number two. Uh, on my hit list, if you will. Of course, number one, obviously, is criticizing the other parent to the child. If you think about it, I mean, uh, it, it really is ironic to do that because, you know, the child has half the other parent's genes. So when you're criticizing that parent, you are at least to some extent criticizing the child at least 50%. And you know what I've seen in those situations, Dr. Waldman? The parent who is doing the criticizing is is trying to get this kid to say, yeah, mommy's bad. I love you more. But what inevitably happens is this child goes into protective mode of the parent who's being criticized and then is scared to be without that parent because the criticizing parent feels unstable or not safe. And it backfires every time. I see it every single day of my life. You're absolutely right. In, in fact, that's, I mean, I, uh, you hit it right, right on, right on the head. Because what this does, of course, is make, is make the child uncomfortable. Uh, and, and so not, you know, the parent, as you said, the parent thinks that somehow the child is, is aligning with them. If anything, the child is, is putting distance between them. Uh, and so on. Uh, not to mention, of course, you know, again, you're, you're shaking the child's sense of reality. Because uh, once again, who's the child supposed to believe? The, you know, the parent who's doing the criticizing, you know, or, 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 is the, or the parent who's being criticized, uh, and so on. You know, what's the child supposed to believe? Because remember, it wasn't that long before you know, the announcement of the split that as far as the child was concerned, they had the best mom in the world and the best dad in the world. And now all of a sudden, they're not. I mean, it's like, you know, again, it, it, it's like the child woke up one day and, and everything's turned upside down. You know, white is black, black is white, you know, circle is square, square is circle, left is right, right is left, and so forth. It, it really does throw these kids for a, a total loop. Hey guys, Michelle here with a word from one of our sponsors. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery of results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. For a limited time, get $50 off your device by emailing info at Soberlink.com and mentioning Moms Moving On. Drive safe. 
Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right, $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. So tell me in your opinion, because divorce is inevitable, we can't stop that train uh, from coming into the station, but how can we divorce healthier? How can we make divorce healthy for our children? Well, of course, that's a great question. To begin with, um, in writing this book, uh, I became familiar uh, with an organization uh, known as the International Academy of Collabor- Collaborative Professionals. And what this organization uh, does is they handle divorce in a collaborative manner rather than uh, in the uh, typical adversarial manner that, that unfortunately is prevalent today. As I said, I, I, I've been a foren- I was a forensic uh, attorney, excuse me, psychologist, um, you know, for, for, two, for two decades, and I was in court all the time. And, and clearly there's a place for the adversarial approach in attempting to ferret out the truth uh, and so on. And, and I and I worked with personal injury attorneys and med malpractice attorneys uh, and, and and so forth. Uh, but I don't believe the adversarial approach works well in family court. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there. We're not about you know, to find who's at fault here. I mean, uh, that's not what this is about. You know, what, what this is about is to break this marital contract, you know, yes, but in such a way, though, that both parties can move forward and the child can stay whole. Uh, and, and that's pretty much what this organization does. So uh, first and foremost, I, I would strongly encourage parents to, you know, to think about finding a, a collaborative group Mm-hmm. As opposed to finding, you know, this uh, this attorney that that you know you know says, okay, you know, we're going to take him for every dime he's got, or, or you know, you know, that may sound good at the moment, but not really. Um, you know, as I've said to a lot of people, you know, you were married for four years, you're going to be divorced forever. Um, <laughs> Such a good tip. You know, and and remember, even though your kids are small now, you know you're you're going to be a divorced parent forever. Mm-hmm. And and what goes on here, you know, and, and so on, it, it really is going to uh, stay with you and your family for the rest of your life. 
And it's so hard in that moment of pain and anger to see past just right now. And something I always like to say is what's now is not forever, the good and the bad. So what your children are dealing with now, they won't have to deal with forever. And if you make good choices now, you can ensure that later on down the road, this pain and all this anger and trauma doesn't affect them as as negatively as it could. So I, I think that's great. I mean, the collaborative experience is... Taking the world by storm right now, I think it's becoming more and more popular and more well-known. I think the more voices we can have urging people to stay away from that shark. You know, I just got off a call with a new client who said, and I found this attorney and she's a pit bull. And I said, well, well, let's take a look at what that means. Because that means a lot more time in court and a lot more money spent. So, you know, there, there has to be a shift in this view. But aside from all that, Thankfully, we have experts like you who are putting out such great material on how to help divorcing people. So let's talk a little bit about your book. Tell us about it. What sparked the need? When did it come out? Uh, It came out uh, basically last March. Congratulations. uh, Not quite a year ago. It it was something that was uh, gurgling in me me for uh, for a long time. Uh, Like I said, I I retired from active practice uh, couple of years ago, uh, but I guess the COVID uh, gave me the time to actually sit down and start putting it together. Um, and, and in it, you know, I, I, I talk about, of course, this, this whole process. Uh, you know, you said something just a minute ago that, in fact, I, I kind of uh, address in that you said divorce is inevitable. And, and yes, that, that's, that's true. But I, I, I do spend the first quarter of the book, if you will, you know, talking about why we get divorced uh, and why the, the numbers are so terribly high and how we can actually prevent some of that. And I really do believe it, uh, that, that you know, we, we could do a, a better job you know, of marrying in the first place. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> of, of vetting our partner you know, better uh, and so on. Uh, you know, I, I, I see these shows like, you know, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you know, and The 90 Day, whatever, you know, and, and it just makes me uh, cringe inside because, because it, it just sends the wrong message, you know, yeah. that, that, that we can fall in love and find our soulmate, you know, in, a, in an afternoon for, for God's sake. Uh, no, it just doesn't work that way. Well, it's also putting an emphasis on, you know, the man who's good on paper. And, you know, I grew up with your husband has to be three things. He has to be Jewish. He has to have gone to an Ivy League school and he has to either be a doctor or a lawyer or otherwise, what are you doing? And it was those things that got me in trouble, right? Because you're in your 20s. You think, oh, he's good on paper. The family's going to love him. You don't realize what you need or what's important for a long-term sustainable marriage. And so, yeah, picking your partner better would probably be the best place to start. Well, yeah. I mean, vetting them, if you will. Um, you know, in fact, uh, I, in, in the book, I, what I did in the book, which I, the first time I, I've done that, is I've written dozens of articles and they're on they're on my website uh topphoenixpsychologist.com by the way um and and what i did is it actually uh place a number of my articles you know into the book and and one of them that that i i talk about uh is is what i refer to as as kind of the pyramid if you will you know on on how we form our relationships 
You know, and, and if you think about it, you know, if we form our relationships in a healthy manner, we look for you know, similar values, you know, communication, uh, similar interests, and so on. And of course, at the top of that pyramid, if you will, you know, might be passion. Right. So unfortunately, the way most people form their relationships is the reverse. Right. Wow. He or she is really hot and really good in bed. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that doesn't sustain a long-term relationship. You know, passion as I see it, you know, is is the is the cherry on the top of the Sunday, but the Sunday is is you know has got some structure to it, if you will. Things uh, I've learned from a second marriage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You live and learn. Uh, you know, um, well, and that brings up another point, which if you want, I can get to, which I talk about as well. So first, we need to vet better. If, if, if And secondly, you know, I, I as, a, as a therapist, you know, I probably worked with, aside from my, you know, my legal work, probably with a thousand couples in my time. I mean, I, you know, 45 years, 36 hours a week, uh, do the math. So I, I saw hundreds, if not a couple thousand couples, for sure. And, and one of the things I often tried to teach them you know, is how to argue constructively, as I call it. Right? Because most couples you know, argue destructively, and that lays the seed for the divorce, if you yep. will. You know, you know, when, when you believe, begin to believe that the issues you have are never going to be solved, you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the problem. And, and unfortunately, uh, today, and I, and I, and I saw it so many times, you know, couples, when they get into the, an argument, they, they argue to win. And if you win, that means your partner's got to lose. Right. And that win-lose thing after a while gets real tiresome. You know, and and one of the things I learned professionally as well as you know as well as personally, and by the way, I'll be married 50 years this August. Wow, and and last I know, she still likes me. <laughs> um I, you know, I, what I've learned, of course, is that you know the 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 goal of an argument is not to win or lose, it's to find resolution. And sometimes, yes, maybe I'm going to give a little bit this time or give some time, because if I show that I'm willing to try to resolve or go her way, that eases the way that next time maybe I'll get a little more. But if I'm constantly banging the table and saying it's my way or the highway, it's my way or the highway, sooner or later, it's, yeah, I'll be on the highway. Which which brings us all this can all circle back to co-parenting, right? Like absolutely everyone's fighting based off of their ego. And if you really, if you literally put your child, like what would benefit my child? What would Jesus do? Like the bracelet, we need to sell bracelets, WWBMC. What would benefit my child? If that, if your resolve is getting to a place of figuring out what would benefit your child, your co-parenting arguments would fare way better and have way more meaning than just fighting to win. So I love that point that you make to bring it full circle. Uh, You're absolutely right. Relationships are reciprocal. What you put out is about what you're going to get back. And that, that occurs when you're 
still solidly married, and, and even when you're divorced, right? what you put out is what you're going to get back. And, and you need to, you know, and many times, you know, I've said it myself, I, you know, uh, and I've had a bad day, or, or my wife does something, you know, and, and it's like, you know, I, God, I'm thinking, I, we talked about that, and I'm about ready, and then I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, if I put that out, you know, it's going to be real cold in the bedroom tonight. You can bet. Okay. So, you know, and so I rethink it and, you know, and maybe restate it or don't even say it at all uh, or, or save it for another time. And so on. Well, I might say over 50 years, you've learned how to pick your battles, Dr. Waldman, and you're <laughs> doing it pretty well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny when, when my, I have two sons. And I'm very proud of them. One is a, an attorney now uh, and very happily married and with uh, uh, my six-year-old grandson. And the other one's uh, a school psychologist, uh, school counselor psychologist. And uh, again, also happily married with twin, uh, uh, twin well, soon to be three-year-olds. And But when they were teenagers, they used to chastise me all the time. They'd say, Dad, you're such a wuss. You know, you let mom make all these choices. Anytime you get into a discussion, you know, you're always so sympathetic and understanding, you know. In fact, pardon my saying it, but my younger son once when he was like 12 said, Dad, why don't you grow a pair is what he right. tells me. <laughs> and I said, guys, someday you'll understand. Well, you know, yeah, they yeah. did. And, and they're now, wonderful husbands now because of the example that you said. Absolutely. They married very strong, smart women. And where do they get that from, of course? Partly from me, but certainly from their mom as well. And, you know, they're, they're, my daughters-in-law frequently come to me and say, I don't know what you guys did, you know, but he's, uh, you know, he's really a gent. That's beautiful. You have so much to be proud of, not just your books and your work, but that that for me is like one of the most beautiful things I've heard because it all starts at home. Our 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 how we choose to behave in relationships, who we choose to settle down with, it all starts at home. And that is so important. Dr. Waldman, this has been such a great conversation. Please tell everybody where they can find you and learn more about you. Your website is Top Arizona Psychologist. Uh, top Top, top Phoenix. Top Phoenix Psychologist. And and I'm I'll be glad to give you my email as well. It's Larry Waldman PhD at uh, cox.net. Uh, my that's cox. Uh, and also my my books are available on on Amazon. If you're listening to this, I have linked um, "Love Your Child More Than You Hate Your Ex" into my Amazon shop as books you need, um, and I will link everything in the show notes as well. Thank you again for being here, and thank you for the work that you do for everybody listening. I know you took a lot of value from this, and I'm so proud of that. Well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Of course. Divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be extra tricky especially when communicating with your ex is a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. FAIR helps eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. In the long run, creating a loving environment for your kids. Here's what you can do on the FAIR app. There's a time-sharing calendar to track custody, exchange days, and never forget those special events. 
documentable text messaging, and an expense tracker so both parents can add and monitor expenses, track receipts, and add notes. GPS check-in, that's a court-verifiable way to document your presence at all GPS-verified locations. A monthly parenting report to download with your details. A private journal to take notes, add photos, and screenshots. A file vault to keep your records, photos, and documents organized and in one place. The opportunity to export all of your records into a convenient, time and date stamped PDF when you need documentation for legal matters. And there's a Spanish version of the app as well. FAIR allows you to experience co-parenting in a totally new way. Simply, inexpensively, transparently, and fairly. Lose the he said, she said, and be the best parent you can be. Be F-A-Y-R, FAIR. Subscribe at BeFAIR.com. That's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com. And then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. Go to FAIR.com for more details. Don't forget to use the code MICHELLE to save 20% off the cost of the app. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong. 